0: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers.
1: I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my good friend and esteemed co-host, is here and you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And we're always trying to give you some tips, some tools, some things that you can do a little different, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, for you to be a top 10% performer. That top 10% is a tipping point, which we know if you or your team can get into that top 10%, you are so much more valuable, more effective, more profitable, more productive if you get in that top 10%. We're going to today talk about the coaching effect. What's the difference between good coaches and great coaches? Our guest is Bill Ekstrom. We'll bring him on in just a moment, but I'm sure our audience is interested in that. Both Kathy and I are uh, executive coaches, and so I'm, I'm really thrilled to hear any little tips or tools that Bill can help us. And, you know, We're focusing on those few things, and a lot of times we call that being emotionally brilliant in the moment. What are the things you know about yourself? What are the things you know about others? So in the moment, you can pull out just the best tip, tool, strategy, decision to be your best. And so that comes from our book, Emotional Brilliance. And let me bring on my co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. And you all know, Kathy, for the years that we've been doing this, you know, Kathy is a TV and radio personality. She's the author of nine books, including What Happy Companies Know, What Happy Mothers Know, Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus, and many more. But our latest book, Emotional Brilliance, Living a Stressless, Fearless uh, Life. She has a free app. You can see her face if you are intrigued by just hearing her voice and you want to say, hey, who's... Who is that? What she look like? She has a free uh, iPhone app, Your Happiness Now. Kathy, welcome.
2: Thanks, Relly. I'm sitting here giggling to myself for the, <laughs> for the sake of the audience. Um, so Relly and I just came off the road. Uh, we were three days at an amazing master coach training program uh, in Salt Lake City with our friends at uh, Workman uh, Success Systems, which is uh, a coaching organization that focuses on coaches in the real estate space, and the the reason I'm laughing, Relly, and I'm sure our audience will get a kick out of this, is, you know, we talk about the guests that are coming on the show, and we talk about our book, and, you know, we transcribe all of these, and in fact, FedEx is one of our largest uh, distribution funnels through their leadership organization globally uh, for our radio shows, and I was laughing because Relly was, was telling some friends of ours that when they do the transcription, it's this big chunk of Kathy and this little chunk of Relly. So I'm going to say barely anything today. (laughs) All I can think of is all these, these wonderful people waiting to hear all these great things, these sound bites. And then there's this droning woman who goes on and on. Of course, I'm just kidding, but.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, I was kidding too. I think, I think. Any, anything you say, I, I hear in our audience, appreciates.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was cute. And, you know, I'm really excited to talk to Bill today. I just finished watching his amazing uh, TEDx. And, yeah. you know, everybody knows that we are talking about um, what kinds of emotions do top performers experience. And how do they gear themselves up, right, for these top performances? You know, how does somebody like Bill Ekstrom go out there and get people geared up to get out of their comfort zone? and go for change. So, I'm, I'm excited today. You know, we want to all talk about how we can get a better understanding of how emotions affect us, what makes up an emotionally brilliant performance, and what emotions are most challenging for us. You know, all of us need hacks for how we can learn more and manage our emotions. So, you know, keep this goal in mind. It's to help you expand, improve, and select the best emotional competencies and strengths to master the moment. And, of course, you know, leading us through this conversation, uh, you know, Relly and I will hopefully have some cherished, loving banter to help you focus in on your emotional brilliance as you listen to Bill. So uh, if you haven't gotten your book, www.emotionalbrilliance.com, you can grab your book, you can get a seven-day all-access free trial to the website. Please go there. Please share all the good news. You know, Relly and I have spent the last year and a half, uh, it'll be two year, actually almost two years this June, uh, one year this June, right? Getting this into right. the hands of people that can really use it. Uh, we don't count the half a year that we spent writing the book, just this, <laughs> the year we launched it in the platform. But as you know, Relly uh, and I have lots of free tools that you can use to be your best in the moment, every day. So please take advantage of everything that we offer you today, including a delightful conversation with Bill Ekstrom.
1: Let me uh, just say a little bit about Bill and then Bill will bring you on because you've been patiently waiting. So Bill is the CEO and founder of Excel, E-C-S-E-L-L Institute, and he has a uh, robust professional career that has encompassed sales, sales leadership, executive leadership, both in private and public companies, and as a founder of of Startups. And then he established Excel Institute to fill the void that he witnessed and personally experienced in the coaching and leadership profession. That's why we wanted to have uh, Bill here to hear about that. The research uh, that he came up with uh, has been utilized in athletic and academic worlds, spawning new Startups. And he has some new startups, Excel Sports, Excel Education. And Kathy mentioned his TEDx stage, where he shared his research, so you can see his TEDx talk, Why Comfort Will Ruin Your Life. And obviously, we all want to be comfort, uh, comfortable. He has spoken to over 4 million people, have seen that online. And his famous words, which we hope we'll say again, is what makes you comfortable can ruin you. What makes you uncomfortable is the only way to grow. And then he's authored a book called The Coaching Effect, where great leaders uh, can increase their sales and enhance performance. And you can go to Bill's website uh, to get that uh, at BillExtrom.com. And it's B I L L Ekstrom is dot com. Bill, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you both.
2: So, Bill, what we love to do to get things started, before we take a deep dive into the coaching effect and all of your great experience, who were the key influencers in your life and got you to where you are today?
1: Hmm,
3: Well, outside of the obvious being parents, I've been very lucky to have had um, and sought out, I think too, wonderful some wonderful role models that, that provided different aspects of growth at different times of my life, um, One being my best friend's father, who was like a second father to me growing up. Um, arguably the wisest man I've ever met in, in from a business perspective. My, when I first, my first role in my first leadership role, when I is, ha- happened to be in a sales management spot. And the person to whom I reported, who I talked about in our book, The Coaching Effect, uh, his name's Mitch. And, uh, he played, he had the biggest impact on my growth as a professional. she's um, one who made my life so uncomfortable but
1: <laughs> so,
3: so growth-oriented there for a period of time. So those would be the, the two that come to mind
1: the, the, the quickest. So that's always interesting for us, Bill. We know these influences, you know, that we can easily uh, pass on. So tell us a little bit, you know, in the background, you know, how did you get started in leadership development and maybe a little bit of your career growth to where you are now.
3: Yeah, so, you know, I've always been fascinated with it, growing up in Nebraska and, uh, and not to sound too cliche about this, but I used, I, you know, I'd watch Nebraska football uh, from a young kid on, but I would always, I was always fascinated by how come, how come they winning so much, back then anyway, uh, in a place like like in Nebraska? I I never, and then it boiled. At some point, I just kind of realized, well, it's the only constant is the coach. Hmm. So then I would start to do things like I would watch the behaviors of coaches as much as I would watch a sporting event. Uh, And so that was my, the the early influences in my life. And then it kind of uh, obviously, kept you know evolving and then it got to a point where every time I'd visit with the leader and, and I'd ask, Well, is the performance of your people or your teams, whether it's business, athletics, or even now academic, says so, the performance of your business team or your athletic team a reflection of how your team's coach. And every single time, every single time, they would say, Well of course it is Bill. Yes, I mean, that's the most important thing. And then I would have followed up with, well, do you track what those people, what people on your teams are doing? Well, of course, we, especially in sales, right? We know when they stop at a Starbucks for a cup of coffee, some people would say. We know everything about their day. They said, but let me get this straight. You just said that the performance of those people is a reflection of how well they're coached. What are your coaches doing? And nobody could answer my question. Hmm. Not a single person could answer that question. And that was my, all right, this has to change. So that's that was my motivation.
2: So, Bill, you, you start out talking uh, in your TEDx about the day that you uh, lost your uh, your job at the time. And then how you basically created this four interlocking circles with chaos at the top and an order at the bottom. Can you talk a little bit more about how you started to get into that work and why it's so important to you?
3: Well, in terms of how I got into it, uh, there's, there, there, there are triggers. And, and that's why I started off that TED Talk talking about uh, getting fired from my job. And the ironic part about that is that's not how the talk was supposed to begin. Uh, I I had completely different openings, and when I ran them all by my team uh, at work, everybody—actually, it was our VPSLs—at one point, he just he looked at me and flat out in front of the entire team, he said, "Why don't you just tell the truth?" And and I. What's the sure what he's talking about. And before I could say anything, he said it again. He goes, Bill, why don't you just tell the truth? And I said, what are you talking about? I mean, you, you say I'm lying here? Where, where's this coming from? He said, why don't you tell them why we all have jobs? Why don't you tell them why we're sitting here at this table right now? Why don't you tell them only, the, only, the only reason we're all working together is because you got fired from your last job. That's how you should start your TED Talk out. <laughs> so, I, you know, um, and it was in that moment where I, Well, you know, so that'd be ridiculous because, number one, it's humiliating. It'd be totally awkward. And then then quite literally, I was about to say the words. I said, plus, it'd make me completely uncomfortable. Uh And there I was about to give a TED Talk on the need to be uncomfortable to grow, and I was afraid to go there myself. So that opening... um, Created a lot of things. Number one, it it um, made me realize the power of vulnerability, <laughs> and this was uh, before I was listening to Brene Brown. Um, and post talk was interesting. As I kind of became a poster child for people that got fired and then kind of did something with their life, I suppose.
1: So, so Bill, well, that we're going to ending up to go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so this is a great spot to. Uh, transfer. We're going to go to our first break, but then we do want to come back to hearing the rest of the story and how that led into your book and everything else. So you're listening to Leadership Development News. Stay tuned and we'll be right back.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. see Tech. Like the hard-working men and women, they get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how.
1: It's a way of life. IC Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality. With passion. We follow you in this way of life. ICTeC for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge.
4: How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs. They help everyday leaders, like you, balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness, both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership.
0: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at one 866 472 5790 That number again is one 866 472 5790 Now let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a delightful, engaging conversation with the author of The Coaching Effect. What is the difference between good coaches and great coaches? And Bill Ekstrom was just talking about getting out of his own comfort zone prior to doing his TED Talk. And I want to come back to that, Bill, because I think you're setting the tone here for modeling the way for something that you feel very strongly about, which is getting out of your comfort zone and growing all the time. So can you go back to that conference room where your team was coaching you about getting in the game and going on stage, exposing that vulnerability that we all hesitate to do?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- that's arguably one of the, one of my most significant challenges when it comes to leadership and, and that is being vulnerable. And, uh, it took a lot because, I mean, let's face it, it's humili- it truly is humiliating to, to tell people that, hey, yeah, yeah, I got fired from a job. And so I just had to trust in the idea. I had to trust in my team. And I really went forward with that in mind. I mean, it, it wasn't more complicated than that. It was still tough. I still didn't want to do it. I still, in my mind, was looking for reasons to come up with other openings or different openings to the TED Talk. But um, I stuck with it, and it turned out turned out okay.
2: And, you know, it's funny, as you're talking about it, <clears throat> I just want our audience to think about this for a second when you think about being vulnerable. Have you ever heard a comedian that does not make you laugh about situations that almost happened that were almost cataclysmic, but they, they flipped the switch on that cataclysmic event and turned it into something funny, right? So why is it we, as, as adults, in leadership roles, we're talking about our leadership history, don't take the opportunity to practice that vulnerability and flip it on its side and think about that context, that moment in time when we get to be the best we're going to be using the right emotions at the right time. And so for me, humor, right, is such a great, is such a great gift for all of us. So, Bill, thank you for sharing that, and I, I hope our audience gets a lot out of your show with us today talking about, you know, coaching versus leading and being vulnerable. So thank you for doing that.
3: Well, thank you for those kind words too, Kathy.
1: Yeah, so Bill, uh, as we're going through this, one of the things, and like we're all, three of us are coaches, and one of the distinctions you make is it sounds like even with your clients, you use the word coach versus lead. So maybe tell us a little bit about about that
3: you know when we were first of all in you know our market and and while we we don't unlike you know you i think our executive coaches both uh you and kathy work hands-on with people to help them become better leaders better coaches right our company doesn't do that what what we do is we study what they do and then we try and teach businesses how to do it in math. So we, we we don't do it one at a time. Right. Um, now I'm thinking back to your question that, that <laughs> made me want to preface it with that. Well, would you repeat your question, please?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're using the word coach versus lead. And oh, so it sounds like even right. in organizations, okay. you know, that's where you're, you're training them to be coaches versus leaders. Is that right? Correct. So... You know, I was tired
3: of, of the word manager, and, and people respond emotionally to that word, which is really bizarre. Um, and we, in our work, in our research, we discovered that, mani- that manager management is, is really, quite frankly, an archaic term that was developed in the industrial era in our country, and it was all about having predictable inputs and outcomes, and had nothing to do with, it, with the people, and so we didn't like the term. And then we started to think, okay, if people behave more like high-performing, high-growth athletic coaches, you know, what would happen then? And so that was the premise. We kind of went from there. And then we realized that, well, great coaches know how to lead. Great coaches know what and when it's appropriate to manage. So the term seemed to fit more, and everybody could relate to it. And when it comes to leadership, I mean, my goodness, there's, how many, there's so many you know, complexity leadership, and I mean, on and on and on, right? There's so many different styles and formats and ways of learning that. So we started talking about coaching, and then we thought it'd be interesting that if we quit moving people into management roles, and move them into a coaching role. What would it do? How many more? How, how many fewer people would think that is synonymous with growth? Because it doesn't have to be. Growth has nothing to do with the. It, it can be, but it, it doesn't have to have anything to do with a formal uh, ladder of success within a company. Growth can. You know, I can be a better salesperson. I can be a better point guard in basketball doesn't mean I have to go into a coaching role or a leadership role.
2: Tell us a little bit more about this concept of discretionary effort.
3: <clears throat> that, uh, that's why I view the role of a coach. So when you, when you step back away from it all, if I'm a coach, I get paid to make things grow. I get that. That's my job is, is now depends how you define growth. I mean, you say, well, growth in numbers or growth. Well, I've never in business uh, met somebody who ran a department where the organization said, Hey, you know what? We had a good year last year. No growth this year. It just never happens. So there, there's so much that that ties in with growth. So then we step back and said, okay, what is it people do to create growth? What is it that, that uh, one leader comes out and another one comes in and all of a sudden growth happens? Or one leader goes out and another comes in and they go backwards? So then we got on this concept of discretionary effort, which is if, if I take over a team, it, what kind of discretionary effort do I get from the people on the team? Do they work an extra hour? Do they make an extra phone call? Are they more engaged? Do they not take the call from uh, a recruiter that wants them to come work for another company? So all that is what we kind of define as discretionary effort. So what are the behaviors and activities that great coaches and leaders do to create the
1: most discretionary effort? That's what we studied. You know, Bill, uh, Kathy and I do this, and I'm sure you do too, often when we are with a, a leadership group, we usually talk about their best leader. And you know, I usually say, so what you know, tell us about your best leader, get a picture of who they are, what do they say, what do they do? So trying to pull out you know, the actual words, the actual behaviors. But then the second part is this discretionary uh, effort. What was the impact on you? And then that's always intriguing, and they don't know the word discretionary effort. But they'll say, "I'll do anything for that person." Uh, they, you know, they have my back. Uh, I, I got more confidence. I put more effort into things, and so it's a beautiful way to define, like you're saying in business. You know, we want people to kind of go all in, but what they do, they really go all in with the, their leader or their coach. So that's you know mm-hmm. great stuff that you're uh, having them. And so, like, what would you say? are some of the main things that you have, and I imagine you have it in your book, of how someone can raise discretionary effort. Yeah, we do.
3: We detail it out in the book, but it's still it's mm-hmm. a great
1: talking point because
3: there is what they do, but there's well, how do they make me feel. Mm-hmm. There is when when we weigh those out, we call it the quantity of coaching versus the quality of their coaching, which is an interesting idea. So we hear a lot from people will say, well, gee, if coaching is important, I'm going to go tell my people to go spend more time with their people and coach them more. And my response is always the same. Don't do that. Because if they suck at their job, they're creating more negative discretionary effort than they are positive discretionary effort. So just because, for example, one-on-one meetings, we know that that activity has a strong correlation to discretionary effort. But if I run a bad one-on-one meeting with people on my team, it doesn't matter. I'm taken away from discretionary effort.
1: Right. So
3: there's the act itself, the, the activity itself, and then there's how well you do that activity. So the four activities that we see that correlate the most strongly to to creating discretionary effort are um, one-on-one meetings, uh, what we call performance feedback, but it's written. I'm talking about written performance feedback, not annual evaluations, none of that stuff, but written feedback. Career development plans is the third, and running effective team meetings is the fourth. So... Those are the highest correlating, you know, activities, mm-hmm. but in terms of how well you do them is, is really more important to, than the activity itself.
2: So, Bill, tell us a little bit about um, how emotional intelligence, which is our sweet spot here with our audience, how emotional intelligence is important in this, you know, this great and good coach uh, forum and creating this discretionary effort. What kind of key competencies or strengths do you see being important for these kinds of coaches?
3: Uh, great question, Kathy. It, it, so, so what we're measuring, when, when we're measuring coaches, um, whether it's in a classroom, athletic team, or in, the, or in business, we're actually quantifying their, their coaching acumen. And the... Themes that come out of it, see if I can remember these, um, but there's a relationship theme that comprises, there's two, there's two sub-themes within that. One is connection and psychological safety. Now, you, you could probably stop there. We could spend the entire balance of our time together talking about that and how it ties into emotional intelligence how there are how com- you know, significant pieces of, of EQ, but those two are foundational for uh, growth and performance, those two. Then we measure the structure. Are they bringing consistent disciplines to, uh, for their team? And when I say that, everything from the way they show up to work, meaning does the team have to you know wonder when we get on the first Zoom call or we have our first meeting or first time I bump into my boss or my coach for the day, do we have to wonder? You know, we'll wonder what kind of mood uh, she's in today? Man, I hope he had a good morning this morning because I hate it when he comes into work in a bad mood. If we got to do that, that's not consistency. That's not structure. Communication obviously is another. And then we look at skill development: their their ability to develop skills of the people on their team, their their job skills. And then we look at their ability to. Challenge them in a healthy way. In other words, here, here we go. We get back to the uncomfort piece because we know people on teams, by and large, want to do things the way they've always done them. They want to, stay, they, they, they want to do what's comfortable, with, basically in their order, and they need someone, their leader, their coach, to make them uncomfortable in a healthy way for growth. So those are all powerful, stuff.
1: really good. Say a little bit about the challenge part because Kathy and I just came back, like we said, from watching some uh, coaching and the, the word challenge was used over and over and over. Let me ask you, is, is there, like what's the best way to challenge someone that they can also have psychological safety? And I, I imagine it's a little bit of a tightrope because when you're challenging someone, they're uncomfortable. So how, how can someone manage that uncomfortability but still, not have it get in the way of the challenge.
3: Mm-hmm. That's a really insightful question, Doc. It, so this is why relationships, connections, trust-based relationships are, are so important. Because if I don't know you as a person, both professionally as well as personally, I I, I don't know how to I don't know how to do what you just described yeah so it starts with having having eq knowing the person getting the you know developing trust with the person because what might for example be challenging or make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. could perhaps not be uncomfortable to someone else so The key is really understanding the uniqueness of that individual, which is what makes coaching and and leadership so challenging and so hard. Because if you're not willing to invest, and if I've got 10 people on my team and my business team, and we actually had somebody say this one time. They just said, are you telling me I have to get to know all those 10 people like you just described? And we said, yes. And he said, do you know how hard
0: that is? I said, well, Yes.
3: (laughs) But now but now we get back to separating good from great. The great ones know how to do it. The great ones take the time to yeah. do it. The great ones provide written feedback. So, yeah, there,
1: there's a... Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Bill, and, and Kathy, you and I will talk more about this, but I think, you know, the metaphor that I use, and you know when you talk in pictures, it always helps. It's dealing with like a physician who is a... Uh, technically really really good but but does not have the bedside manner to manage and kind of hold that that technical expertise and it can come off as just sharp firm with a lack of empathy even though they're so qualified uh, at that
2: yep and that exactly. and that will continue to happen until people are comfortable right being uncomfortable which is something we talk about so we'll be right back we're going to take a quick break so don't go away you're listening to leadership development news
0: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
4: how can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you Balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership.
0: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development
1: News. We're talking with Bill Ekstrom. You can uh, go to his website and see his book, Bill, and then E C K S T R. O M, and then uh, his book, The Coaching Effect. What's the difference between good coaches and great coaches? So, Bill, say a little bit about how uh, you know we know this applies to business, but are there other aspects? And maybe are you actually working with athletic teams? Uh, so you can talk about kind of the the, the uh, scope that you're dealing with.
3: Yeah, that's uh, another wonderful question. The, I've always thought that our work, and I do have a passion for sports, so I always thought our work would apply because when you think about it, when we talk about what great coaches are doing, whether, again, business, it doesn't matter, we, we're talking about human behavior and how people respond to coaches or to leaders. Yeah. And it was, I think, not long after they. TED talk that I got reached out to by an athletic department at a college in Toronto that wanted me to come out and do work at their annual meeting with all their coaches. And I said, you know, at the time, I just said, Hey, I've never, you know, we've never done this in, a, in sports and athletics. And he said, well, your work certainly applies, wouldn't it? And I said, well, I believe it would. So that's how, that, that was our first trigger. Hmm. Since that time when we started the Excel sports division, What we're doing there is measuring the student-athlete experience, and which is interesting because when we visited with athletic directors, one of the things we learned, their number one objective, especially at a high school level, their number one objective was real easy, which is, hey, we want to provide the most positive student-athlete experience possible. And not one of them, not a single one, could tell me whether or not that was happening. They just hoped uh, it was. Because yeah. nobody was measuring it. So so then we started doing focus groups, and, and then we'll, what we realized, about 90, somewhere between 80, 90% of what we're measuring in business is applied to athletics. Uh, and so, and then we got pulled into the classroom. Somebody said, well, can you measure the impact our teachers are having on students? And again, uh, A lot of that crossed over, too. And what was really interesting is we're learning some stuff from athletics and education that we're bringing to business and vice versa. Things like, which this one was interesting, there's very strong correlation and discretionary effort uh, in the classroom and in in athletic teams. That was uh, my coach or my teacher makes this sport or whatever it is fill in the blank fun. Just that simple question. So we started pulling that question into business, and it was there's a huge correlation between that and discretionary effort. Does my manager, does my leader, whatever you want to call it, make this job fun? So we're learning a lot from those other disciplines.
1: So, Bill, let me let me just share this story, Kathy. You haven't heard, heard this. You know, I played football in high school and then two years in college, and and uh, in high school I had one coach, and this was probably early learning about leadership. That was. I would do anything for him as a, as a sophomore. I'd be walking down the hall with a friend, and he's like, there's my two baby bulls.
0: Wow, how are you guys doing?
1: And then as a senior, we had the regular head coach. And, one of the, and during one of the practices, you know, I was a fullback, and I uh, filled the wrong hole. I was supposed to go into the four hole, and I went into the two hole. And in front of all my friends, he throws the football at me, hits me in the back, and says, God damn it, Nadler, you're supposed to be in the in the four hole, not the two hole. That experience, you know, stuck with me. At the end of the season, I remember he's saying, hey, so we have a couple teams who are interested or a couple colleges who are interested in you. You know, I can help you. And I immediately said, no thanks. I don't want any help from you whatsoever. And it was really from that experience. <laughs> and, you know, that's where well, we have that in sports. We have that in the military. You have that in business. Where they think they're getting you um, feedback, but you know, for certain people, for me that was so aversive. I had, I was the opposite of discretionary effort. I didn't want his hand or voice to have anything to do with me.
3: No, they created they created negative discretionary effort for you. Yep, exactly. That's a great so example. When you,
2: yeah, when and so when you think about. Uh, some of the great leaders uh, that you are modeling discretionary effort after, Bill. What? What? Who do you look at? Give me some examples. Give our audience some examples of the, the folks that you look to for a good, good time oh,
3: this uh, behavior. Uh, wouldn't it be nice? By the way, Kathy, wouldn't it be nice if I could if I could label some political leaders? right now
2: uh
3: yeah but i don't maybe i don't, I, I don't think there's, <laughs> that's not party specific but none of them right, right.
2: yeah uh, I said maybe we should start with aspen <laughs> oh
3: the dog yeah the yeah. aspen uh is uh yeah she had her 15 seconds of fame uh during the ted talk and now everybody it's kind of funny i did uh uh I mean, speaking engagement with the Washington State Medical Association last week. And they condense your biography, you know, when they introduce you. Everybody always does it, which is great. It should be uh, because they're ridiculously long. But anyway, every single time somebody's done that, they've never, ever left out the dog. Right. Every single time they talk about Aspen and the therapy dog and our work, the work we do with that. So, yes. Um, but speaking of that, uh, Kathy, to your point, role model, how about that? When you yeah. can look at a Labrador retriever, who she's looking right at me right now from about three feet away, uh, with that much unconditional love. Yeah. And when we think, we tie this back to coaching, and you say, oh, okay, is that really important? Well, yeah. Because we know that the level to which the people think you care about them as people, not just employees, matters uh, uh, to a great deal in terms of creating discretionary efforts mm-hmm. and so if they have to guess whether or not you care about them as people it should be unconditional That's the, 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 those are things but now back to your question um, you know there are some people and I think historically and I think of different roles um, I've gotten to know um, a couple of gentlemen. The, the Navy SEALs program does some really amazing things in teaching people how to lead and and emotional lead emotional, you know, with EQ. They do some remarkable things. I think back to, um, and this will, maybe a lot of listeners might not remember this, but the first Gulf War in General Schwarzkopf was a. a, a a gentleman, a figure that I just could not get enough of listening to, watching him, um, the way he cared, the way he loved, the way he was able to make decisions, but yet change the decisions when when data came that <laughs> that proved he made a wrong decision. So, Bill, those maybe, are a maybe couple just for people. The,
2: yeah, just for the purposes of of, of keeping our audience um, you know engaged here. Maybe so. I come from the military side of coaching, and uh, Matt Warner, who's on our team, uh, is uh, a great guy with uh, Navy Special Warfare background, um, and he supports our our coaches when they need to. Can you talk a little bit about who Schwarzkopf was, just so that we we keep the audience on yeah. their toes here?
3: Well, General Schwarzkopf, I believe, was a four-star general, uh, and he, he led the, I think it was called Shock and Awe, in the First Gulf War uh, right. under the Bush administration. Is it, am I accurate there?
2: Yeah, yes. Yeah.
3: And, and that was back when, it was really, you could, for the first time ever on cable news networks, you could watch the war as it was happening. Uh, because exactly. I think for like a hundred days, we, we bombed Iraq or something, and and um, and the general would do his. He, he wouldn't duck from any question, and he would answer it authentically um, and with compassion. and And he would and, and he would still at times say something he didn't mean to. I'll, I'll never forget one time when somebody asked him about a mission they had just happened, and they said what was the success? And he said, well, he said, you know, we only lost two troops on this mission. And then he stopped. This is on live news. He closes his eyes. He drops his head in silence and then looks up again with tears in his eyes. He said, I'm sorry. It's not just two troops to those families. He said, that was a horrible thing to say. He said, unfortunately, we lost two troops. And it was moments like that where, you know, he didn't try and justify what he did or said. He he just he knew what was right. And we live in a golden age of lying right now. And if you ask General Schwarzkopf a question that he couldn't answer, he just hey listen, I, I, I can't answer that right now and I'm sure you can understand why it's probably not a good topic for me to discuss with you today. <laughs> yeah. So
2: and he you didn't know I just Yep, I just wanted our audience to know who you were talking about. Obviously, those of us who've you know been around since the beginning of uh, this very long and tedious uh, experience that we've had in the Middle East uh, may not know who he is. But getting back um, to some of the product, projects that you have going on right now as we're coming to a quick close here on the show, anything that you want to share with our audience about what Bill Ekstrom and Excel is doing next and how can we find you?
3: Oh that's thank you for that opportunity, Doctor. Um what Excel Institute is is doing next is we are continuing our, our journey. Um uh, first and foremost, it's it's you know, ninety percent of our work right now is in business, but the, the sports division what we just got going is up 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 and going and we're putting a lot of resources into that. The journey of figuring out what great coaches do to create that discretionary effort is a con it is exactly that it is a journey and we learn new things every day uh well certainly every week because we use research as a guide and if you do that if you use data to to help direct your decisions um you don't have to guess about them anymore so people can come to excelinstitute.com. they come to my personal website please connect with me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I, I, I'm active on both those mediums. And um, if you have questions, reach out. I, I, I can proudly say that every single person in, that has ever reached out to me, um, which the TED Talk spawned a lot of that, I've personally responded to. So I try to keep
1: that record going.
2: Outstanding. Thanks, Bill.
1: That's great, Bill. That's a, that's a really nice touch. And then as far as just profiles of folks, Pete Carroll, uh, I profiled in my book on leading with emotional intelligence and kind of had a little profile where he was or he is on, all, on some of the EI competencies. So I imagine, you know, he comes up in your conversations. But as someone as a, as a player's coach and that people would do anything for him and also finding their unique abilities that maybe other coaches didn't, and where, where do we place him so he could be his best is, is a great profile. So, Bill, thank you so much. Yep. And I'm going to yeah, just reiterate here. again, BillExtrem.com uh, and your book. Uh, and I imagine that people can get your book from your website and Amazon and every other place.
3: Yep, uh, they can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the usual bookstores. That's great.
2: Outstanding. So the coaching effect. What is the difference between good coaches and great coaches? We've had a great discussion here with our new friend, Bill Ekstrom. And hopefully, Bill, we'll continue the dialogue and uh, we'll be able to share some of of your content with our our friends at our website at Leadership Development News. And we are so grateful that you've been able to spend this time with us. And we wish Aspen all the best. I hope she's having a great time.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you both. It's been an honor to be with you all. Thank you, Bill. So uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in to tune up your performance with Leadership Development News. We'll, We'll hear you again, or you'll hear us again next week.
0: You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Business Channel.